Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be talking about the fantastic television movie, Do Revenge. We are joined today by cast members Maya Hawke and Camila Mendes. And Camila, in starting with you, I was interested in, you know, kind of shaping a lot of the, the trauma and pain that exists in your character, because so much of this friendship that begins to exist between Dre and Eleanor comes from this kind of trauma bonding and, and kind of seeing mm-hmm. something in each other that they both have in themselves. Um, and for you, you get the opportunity at the beginning to essentially play out a huge scene and a huge moment in her life and to kind of enact that moment that creates so much pain but there's so much that already exists from having had to curate and craft a life and kind of present herself in a certain way the fact that she doesn't want to let people in close Um, and so I was just interested in how you took a lot of the scripted details which give you aspects of her past and then a scene like that at the beginning to really kind of build a lot of the landscape of who this character is because of all of this. Totally. I mean, yeah, that's something that appealed to me in the first place was that she was kind of like a self-made girl um, who didn't have many resources, but had to assimilate in this very competitive, rich environment with her peers and act like, you know, she's one of them. Um, And I think there's an element of like, you know, there's a degree of removal already from the beginning where like she's not fully being herself because she's having to be a version of herself that will be accepted in this community. Um, So there's obviously insecurities wrapped up in that dynamic and that internal conflict. Um, And then obviously that's triggered even more so when the sex, the masturbation video gets leaked. And then it's like, she feels completely exposed, um, which paves the way for the rest of the movie beautifully, because then she gets to, you know, be really vulnerable enough where, you know, she can trauma bond with another character and, um, and ultimately create a beautiful friendship out of that. And for you, Maya, kind of similarly, there's not necessarily an explosive scene at the beginning, but there's so many details written into the script about her past. And even though the pain and trauma happened and occurred in her past, it's so emotionally present for her. And so how did you look through a lot of the scripted details of, you know, what happened at that time, having gone to a trauma center, what it meant to have kind of stopped eating, stopped sleeping, and even just facets like, her only friend being Oscar winner Olivia Coleman versus having a social circle of people at school that she hangs out with to really form a lot of that for Eleanor. Yeah, well, you know, there's always like, sometimes I feel like building a character is like building a layer cake, right? Which is like, you want, you, you want to fill up the history of the person that you are and like really do, or at least I like to do sort of like imaginary exercises of like acting out scenes from the character's life that aren't in the movie to sort of build up a memory bank. Um, Cause I find for me, it, rather than like tapping into emotions that are mine or like situations in my life, like the, the stupid example people make is like, oh, like think about when your dog died during that scene and then that'll conjure. I really like to try to build up um, a memory bank that is very specific to that character so that your responses aren't just like your responses to stimuli stimuli aren't just yours and like the way that you respond to being attacked, the way that you respond to trauma, but are this like subtle or yours transmuted through this other kind of person that you're trying to build. And 
there were so many incredible details in the script and Jen had such a, uh, the, our director, um, Jennifer Caitlin Robinson had such a, uh, full throated, um, full throated that's for singing, um, kind of clear headed, uh, vision on, on Eleanor. And I sort of spoke to her a lot, building up this memory bank for her. And then we got to go into these scenes and situations and, uh, kind of act, act, you know, act them out and play them with this kind of bank of, of history behind each moment. When we were doing these scenes, every time I would kind of try to play it in two different ways. And one way would be where uh, Eleanor's really good at keeping her secret and isn't revealing anything about kind of the backstory. And one where she's revealing a lot. And so that Jen always had it in the editing room where she could kind of shape the movie because you want the audience to be surprised at the reveal, but you also don't want them to guess that it's coming. So I, I kind of would do these two different versions of tapping into that history and not for every, each time we did the scene. Yeah. I love that. Cause that, that's obviously one of the complexities, particularly with that character and, and, and Camila for you, one of the things I love in your performance is just the way that you've kind of built this growing sense of tension in her. There's so much inner turmoil and inner tension. And it's kind of the more she's trying to exact her revenge and the more things are falling apart, the more we kind of feel that tightness in her. Yeah. Um, and those external aspects from the way that, you know, she becomes much more meticulous in how she's trying to look because she can control that. So how did you see about trying to find and create so much of that inattention and the different beats and triggers that would cause that to increase and build. I think I like to say that like the more the more she tried to control her environment, the more out of control she became. And I feel like, to be honest, like kind of saying the opposite of what Maya was saying, and maybe it's just because what I was going through at the time kind of lined up very well with what was happening in Drea's life. And I was dealing with my own uh, inner conflict that was similar. And, and so for me, it's like I could connect to that rage she felt so easily. And it felt like there was this like fire inside of me that wanted to come out. And, I, and I've never had the opportunity to let it out through a character before to that extent. Um, so I think with this, it was like really just tapping into that part of myself that I don't get to express often. I mean, there's not, we don't get to experience rage a lot as humans in the world. You know, we kind of like say that- Especially as women. Yeah, especially as women. And, and I think people label anger a bad emotion that we're not supposed to feel. Um, you know, we're very empathetic towards sadness, but like we don't really welcome anger. But anger is a really healthy emotion when channeled properly. Um, and I think the anger becomes a problem when you put a wall in front of it, when you don't let it out. Um, so I think Drea, who's like, you know, for so much of her life is trying to put this wall up and protect her anger. The more she tries to keep it inside, the more it wants to burst. Um, and then, and then, she, you know, from a certain point on, she's just absolutely unhinged. And like, and she snaps and she's like in full rage mode, um, which was, I mean, amazing. I, I love, I love that I got to experience that level of emotion through her. Um, it's very cathartic. 
I love that. And for you, Maya, with, with Eleanor, as she infiltrates kind of trying to exact revenge on Max and infiltrates that whole social group that used to be Drea's social group, there's this kind of pretense at the beginning, but then there's the point at which Gabby kind of calls her out of being like, it's no longer an armor. This is just who you are. And so for you, how did you kind of set about finding those different spaces of when it's fully her kind of putting on an armor and, and projecting an, a version of herself. And then as she starts to kind of buy into this friendship and realize that she really does want these social connections, that it becomes kind of more of a true facet of who she is. You know, when I first started working on Eleanor, I really, I kind of wanted her to be like a psychopath, like, and I wanted her to be, be truly crazy. Um, and then the deeper I got into my work with her on her, the more I realized that she wasn't crazy at all. Um, or like, and so I think that when I, in my original conception, there would be more of this, like, I'm a robot, I'm in my full armor. And then I'm, and then and now I'm vulnerable. And like, now I'm me and this ability that we have to like change who we are. But I don't know about you guys. I don't know how many times as a teenager I decided I was going to be someone else now, oh, like all the time. where I was like, yeah. I, I hate the way that I always raise my hand in class and have like, like, and I don't even know, I didn't even do the reading. Like why I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be one of the cool, quiet kids who does the reading and doesn't talk in class, you know, like, and then I would go to do that and I couldn't, or like, I'm going to be one of those cool, quiet girls who like doesn't smile. And then I, and I couldn't, or like I, I and I, I try to affect a new personality trait that I admired in somebody else. And actually, like, I could make it an hour. Like, I, I could not make it very long. And so instead of having these be these full switches of armor, no armor, I kind of wanted to play with her always trying to keep the armor up, losing it. Like, mm -hmm. um, like uh, uh, bringing it back. And now this is a genuine moment. Oh, wait, now I'm having a totally genuine moment with Drea. Oh, my God, I love Drea. Holy shit, I hate Drea. Where's my armor? Here's my armor. I hate, like, you know, yeah. and that kind of toggle that goes through the whole movie in my opinion of armor no armor as a young teenager carves out their identity which though this movie is meta theatrical and campy and fabulous I actually think is a really common um teenage journey mm -hmm. is kind of carving out who you are by pretending to be someone else for a while yeah I'm reconciling with the ego and the idea the, the bruised ego that to me feels like the core of the movie, like these two people whose egos and identities have been severely bruised and then trying to gain their sense of self back. Right. And, and, and I think so much of that is also testament to the fact that you've both created this dynamic between these two characters where, you know, they, they bond over one thing on a surface level, but then it becomes a really true friendship and you find these little inflections, you know, what does it mean for Drea to allow Eleanor into her home when yeah. she has people that she's known for years who've never seen where she lives. Um, totally. And so how did you make sure that you were always finding those touch points with each other of, you know, yes, we have everything that's happening on the surface, but these are kind of the moments where they're really connecting with each other so that then when they have the friendship at the end it really makes sense to the audience the writing was so strong in the sense that those moments were always very carved out and clear and i think like that sleepover scene between uh Dre and eleanor was so beautiful because it was just the two of them the most pared down real moment of the entire movie where they feel like little girls again 
and and they're just speaking softly to each other and and I think it's like the first time we see Drea truly crack and not for long until she like wipes her tears and it's like all right let's go 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 back to getting revenge on Max you know like she she redirects herself quickly but we do see that armor slip for a second and it's my favorite part of the movie that scene with the two of us because because I feel like there's such a genuine connection there and for me the the most like emotional trigger to to get to that place was like I mean anybody can relate to feeling shame you know like shame is such a universal feeling and I think like we feel so inadequate we feel so small sometimes and so insignificant and like there are moments that at least I experience in in day-to-day life every now and then where you feel just like you can't your body feels heavy and you're you're just like you're down you're just down and you can't get yourself up for some reason and we have those moments and you can either find any morsel of strength within yourself to to pull yourself back up or you connect with someone about that very you know same shame that they also have and then you pull each other back up you know um and that's why that scene is so strong i think because like it's her kind of letting eleanor in to see the pain that she feels and by doing that she's allowing eleanor to help her up a little bit you know and 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 sharing that vulnerability is ultimately better for her yeah and then the the thing that rings to me about that is like the exhaustion of empathy, you know, for like where sometimes, like, I think a lot of the time where people don't want to talk about when they're mad mm-hmm. is that if you tell someone why you're mad at them, they might tell you why they did what they did. Mm-hmm. And then you might have to understand <laughs> and you might have to let go of your anger. Um, yeah. And I think that scene for Eleanor is like getting to understand why Drea is who Drea is. Mm-hmm. and and then being like, oh no, oh no, I might have to forgive this person. Exactly. Like, um, because I, I, I now know them and it, it's so easy to be mad or to hate something mm-hmm. you don't understand, otherness. But it's so, it's actually really hard to hold on to your anger, even your just anger at someone when you understand where they're actually coming from. Because it's scary, it's scary to accept that like, even good people can hurt you and even good people can do bad things because then you're just like, how do I operate through the world? How do I evaluate people? If I know, even though this person is so good and so loving that they could also really hurt me and damage me. That's a really scary thing to accept in life, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, and I think that's a huge thing you accept as you grow up because like, if you just constantly hate every person that's ever done you wrong, you would have nobody in your life. You would just be alone. Um, and, and it's also accepting that I'm going to hurt people sometimes too. And as long as they forgive me in the end, you know, and we forgive each other, then we can actually have a long lasting connection. I think that's exactly right. 
And and Maya, kind of going back to a little bit of what you were talking about earlier in terms of there being two different versions that you had to kind of think about in every single scene. I was interested in kind of how you worked with the scripts and really went through each scene as you were going into it, looking at, okay, what's everything that's happening on the surface of this scene? And then what's the actual reality of everything underneath that's happening for Eleanor? Yeah, this is one of those parts that you really had to do your homework for. Like, you know, you just could not, you couldn't wing it. And I was working on Stranger Things at the same time as doing this movie. And so I, my prep was extensive. Um, I had this big binder where I like kind of mapped, did a, a map of the story where I understood like both the backstory and what was happening in the moment and like what factors were playing into it and would kind of take little notes next to my script about like kind of three different ways I wanted to play the scene. Um, Like, I can't think of an example right now, but you know, uh, I wanna do one take that's like where I'm pulling in the rage that I feel about my, about about the summer camp. Like I wanna do one take where I'm trying to impress her. I want to do one take, you know, like, and, and make these notes so that Play on the day, moments. yeah. And so on these, on the day, I could just look at my notes and be like, okay, got it. <laughs> like I'll do those three things. Past Maya took care of present Maya in that situation in a really big way, which is, this is a sort of separate point, but something I'm generally working on is like, I don't know if you ever feel this where you're like, where you f- fuck your future self in your present moment where you're like, oh yeah, future me would love to come to your house. Like yeah, future yeah. me would love to host that dinner. Future me would love to do that. Yeah. And, and then you get to being future you, future you becomes present you and you're like, ah, past me. Why yeah. did you put me in this situation? <laughs> but on this movie, past, past me took care of present me in a really nice yeah. way. Yeah, that's so great. And, and I mean, Camila, for you with Drea, there's, such a kind of internal journey for this character to go from a place where she's exerting these behaviors which hurt people in a way that she can justify it because she's also been hurt to that space at the end where she realizes and kind of understands her actions and her behaviors and the implications and Mm -hmm. you know I wasn't always doing it to protect myself sometimes I was just doing that because of who I am Um, and so I was really kind of curious about how you kind of wanted to approach such an internal aspect of self-discovery that she comes to towards the end, because it is such a big shift in terms of everything about who she is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very painful lesson to learn. Um, and it's also a really hard thing to do, to take accountability for the shitty things you've done. Um, because no one's ever, there's no one villain. That was something I feel like we kept hammering in during this experience like there's never just one villain everyone's a villain in someone else's story um and like part of growing up is understanding how you are a villain in other people's lives um and trying to manage those behaviors that can hurt others um and so i think like drea i mean it's like i understood where she was coming from because her she's like on automatic you know these behaviors are automatic for her she's always had to be resourceful and be smart and get ahead and use people to make her way you know to make her way to the top because otherwise that would have never been there for her right so to her that was like she justifies her actions by being like this is the only way i could have ever succeeded um and if it weren't for me doing these things i wouldn't be here 
you know? Uh, but then it's like, okay, well now you're here and now you have a chance to do things differently, you know? Um, and I think like, yeah, I just think she was super justified um, because that's how she's lived for so long. Not to say that, you know, um, she was a saint. <laughs> she definitely hurt a lot of people. Uh, but that's why I think that last scene with Maya, um, after, you know, she comes running after her, like, I'm sorry I said all those things. I'm sorry about what I did to you. Genuinely, like, can we just please just, can we just stop all this, this nonsense? This is crazy. You know, like, like the only thing I can remember from all of this is the fact that you're the coolest person I've ever met and I want to be your friend. You know, like that's like at the core, what, what she really wants is like connection. Yeah. For both of you as well. I mean, the film is so visual in terms of the details. And I feel like there's so much meticulous detail in the way that costumes, hair and makeup all really tell a story with both of your characters, whether it's kind of the way that for Eleanor, it's such an armor at the beginning, like even wearing a shirt that says, I hate models is kind of saying like, keep your distance, stay away. Um, you know, and then for Drea, the way that her costumes shift and change, the more she's trying to tightly control everything. Mm -hmm. And so how did you both find that the external elements in terms of your character's looks and the way that they were constantly being tweaked and evolved based on their journey really helped you with a lot of the aspects going into scenes and kind of finding where they were at at different moments? I would say that Cammy really um, did such an incredible job shaping and controlling Drea's look and working with Jen um, to have that be a really specific way that um, the story, Drea's story was told. I really trusted Jen on, on that for Eleanor. I really like uh, let go into her vision. And I will say like everything about this movie, everything about the sets, the specificity, the color palette is Jennifer, our director. She is a visual mastermind and a, a like aesthetic queen um, <laughs> in terms of kind of constructing a world around her characters that is both, that serves them and makes the, like, and is exists in reality and in an entirely fictitious world. Like yeah. in many ways, this movie takes place in a fictitious at like Hogwarts, you know, like it's yeah. a fictitious universe um, that has slightly different rules, both for fashion and emotion. Um, and I, I just like cannot credit her enough with yeah. that. Yeah, it was definitely like a big conversation on a lot of fronts, just like, the little details were so important. And like, I know that I had, I had discussed with Jennifer early on this idea of, you know, seeing a visual evolution from the beginning of the movie to the end, not just in the way she dressed, but her makeup and her hair. Um, and it all had to do with control. Cause I think the more we try to control our image, we're trying to like communicate something to the world. Um, and I, and I liked the idea of Drea, like fixating on how she looks because her, her self image was so out of her control after that sex tape was leaked that everything after that is a desperate search for control, um, on how it, she is perceived by others. 
Um, and I just love the idea of her sort of descending into madness and like the more, the more unhinged she became, the more clownish her makeup became, or like the more, the more outlandish it became, the bigger the flowers, you know, the, the, the more dramatic the silhouettes. Um, and it, and it, yeah, I was, I remember being super like particular on set with every detail of my look because I knew Drea would be and she would be you know not a hair out of place like everything needs to be we kept calling it snatched Drea um everything just needed to be perfectly where it belonged nothing could be out of place because everything around her is so chaotic um versus I feel like with Eleanor she goes from say like having everything about how she looks saying don't look at me um to everything about how she looks saying, don't see me. Um, like switching from an invisibility cloak to a mask. Um. And also in terms of, of what you have both been saying in terms of the way that you speak about the writing and, and the scripts, you know, what's really fantastic as well about the film overall is it's allowed to kind of step into these bolder, more heightened spaces narratively. But at the end of the day, it's just this, this intimacy of these two people really desperate for connection. Um, you know, but again, it's like some of the emotions are allowed to be a little bit larger at times because yeah. when you're a teenager, your world and your bubble is smaller. And so all those emotions feel so big and so real. Um, and so did you find that the script really gave you that that roadmap for where you could allow those choices to be a little bit bigger emotionally for these characters and where it was just very much that that more intimate space for each of them. Absolutely, the script gave us. I mean, you've, I felt it when I first read it, like how the tone of it, you know? But then but then you would talk to Jen and you would, it would be even funnier in her mind. And the vision she had would like really bring it to life in a way where like, I, you could immediately see that this tone, this was like larger than life a bit. But at the same time, it never lost its emotional groundedness. Like everything was always justified and motivated. Um, and that's why I think there's so much heart in the movie. There's so much, there's such a force, emotional force in the movie that runs strong throughout. And so like, as, as you know, stylized as the visuals are and the costumes and the hair and the makeup, like the performances and the, and the emotion of the story is super grounded. It's like, it just relates to me to one of my favorite things that an acting teacher of mine said about acting, which is there's no size to the truth, mm -hmm. which like, no matter how big you play it, if you're playing it honest, it, it, it's realism. Um, or realism, it's, it's, it's true, it's, it's powerful, you know? And I think sometimes actors and writers and filmmakers can get cowardly about camp or like, about, about things that are dr really high drama. Cause it's like, then, that, then it's not true, but fuck that. Like life I is know. crazy. And sometimes you have to blow shit up to it's big, the biggest shape it can be so that you can really see what you're taking a picture of, you know? Yes, exactly. um, I love that detail. And and then I also wanted to ask you both a little bit just about the body language of your characters, because I feel like you both kind of really use mannerisms and, and body language to express so much, you know, even the, the sleepover scene and just the physical intimacy that they have with each other at that point, you know, is in line with the emotional intimacy or, you know, the way that Eleanor acts with Gabby is very different physically to the way that she is with Max as a character. Um, and so how did kind of body language and those sorts of characteristic traits really help a lot of the scenes for you? you say certain words and your body does a certain thing naturally. If you're, if they're connected, if your voice and your body are connected, I'd say like when a character is written a certain way, your body is going to inhabit that 
feeling. But I also think there there is there was a very specific body language and and dynamic, physical dynamic between Eleanor and Drea. You know, like I felt like Drea had some sort of agency over Eleanor. You know, the way she would just like sit you down and do your lipstick and and do this and tweak you. Like she was very handsy and 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 um she didn't she was very comfortable kind of moving Eleanor around. Um. And, and being sort of the alpha in that dynamic. Kind of until that scene at, um, at the birthday party. Yes, exactly. And that's when you see the switch happen. Yeah. Between, and, and there's even the way that we framed of the, yeah, and even the way that we framed of the, the Jen frame, the camera, like made me look so tall in that scene. Yeah. Like, you know, like all, all of a sudden, like I'm sitting down in all those tweaking, like all of a sudden Eleanor's like, <laughs> Yes, and then like the car accident and you visiting me at the hospital, lingering, you know. Uh, yeah, all of a sudden me. the size. Yeah, the power shift is insane. I mean, with, with both of your characters and performances, there's so much that you've done in terms of just creating this intimacy between them and making this whole film very emotionally grounded. And I think that's why people responded to the film in the way that they have. So really appreciate you both talking about this today. And thank you so much for sharing all of this. Of course, of course thank you. Thank you for having us.